Welcome back to Why Two Kids. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things nostalgia from the late 90s and early 2000s. We are not 90s kids. We are Y2 kids. Last time, uh, our special guest joined us on this show. The, um, the movie was from the year 2000. Now we are following it up with its sequel, uh, Chicken Run, of course, leading into Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. And from our Chicken Run episode, we thought we would bring back Jess from Better Than Bad. Welcome back to the show, Jess. Thank you for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. So Jess was a big Chicken Run fan. <laughs> so Jess, I need to know, like, what has the English climate been surrounding this film? I mean, has the buzz just been enormous? It actually has. I was talking to people at work and I was like, oh, guys, the new Chicken Run film has come out. And like a lot of the people I work with aren't like into films that much, but they all sort of like whipped their heads around and they were like, there's a new Chicken Run. Um, so everyone was very excited and everyone at work was saying, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go onto Netflix and watch it straight away. So there has been a bit of a buzz. And at the um, I didn't go to the London Film Festival, but I saw lots of people who did. And there, there was a big premiere there. They had the little um figures of the of the chickens on the red carpet so it's been a big deal well we're happy to have you back on to talk about it following up from our episode from i looked it up it was last may is when we did our chicken mm -hmm. run episode and i listened to a little bit of, this, a little of that episode and uh it was 90 minutes long and i think <laughs> we talked about chicken run for about three of those minutes um yeah we talked a lot about uh chinese food Mm -hmm. um we talked a lot about things that were not chicken run but i promise we are going to keep it short tonight not only is is it a very late uh over where jess is but also we have a rotisserie <coughs> chicken um in the <laughs> oven and so we're gonna have to go at a certain time too yes i have to kick this off with one semi-tangent and just say right no no it actually does have to do with the movie I have to say that, like, I mean, I was excited for this movie. But, like, if you guys don't know, I work in marketing. I, it, it, beyond working in marketing and that, like, paying my bills, I'm also just, like, a marketing nerd. And I saw that Amelia from Chicken Shop Date did a, like, paid product placement with this movie where she essentially, like, had a conversation with the chickens. And I was, like, genius. Like, that mm -hmm. made me want to watch it 20 times more. It was so perfect for her vibe. It felt like the two ideas, like, like her and the world of, like, marketing this film just, like, gelled so perfectly. And I was just, like, I, like I have been thinking about that little snippet for like weeks, so I just have to say a plus to the marketing team of Chicken Run. Cool. <laughs> the me of the Chicken Run marketing team is like yes, yeah. No, that was cool. That was a really good idea. Uh -huh. I think we uh, Justin and I were talking, and I said, "Do you want to come back and do Chicken Run too?" This was about a month ago, and 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 she was gracious. She said yes, and then I saw on Letterboxd she logged it like the next day. <laughs> Yeah, and it took us. Uh, we watched it yesterday, so um, we we are nothing fresh if not last minds. minute when it comes to this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so we have a little fresh, but I could I could definitely I could tell um, the the excitement and the anticipation for this sequel um, by how yeah. quick you ran to it. And um, the one thing we did talk a lot about on uh, our initial Chicken Run episode was um, I really like the way it looks. 
I'm really mm-hmm. impressed by it. This is what I said. I'm really impressed by it. I think it's fun, but it just doesn't quite do it for me. And uh, watching Chicken Run 2, I have to report, I feel kind of the same way. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to start it off on this down note. Um, but I'm happy that we have Jess here to, <laughs> to lighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm also I'm... here to lighten it up because <laughs> I, no ill pun intended, I ate this up. <laughs> I mean, like, I literally, I don't know what it was about this versus regular Chicken Run or the first Chicken Run. Um, it's not that I disliked the original Chicken Run. I just think, like, for whatever reason, maybe it was just my mood. Maybe it was just, like, my vibe last night. I don't know. But I, like, could not stop looking at the television. Uh, and let me tell you, I was watching Maestro the night before and literally couldn't keep my eyes on the television. So, um, <laughs> just saying. So, like, I, I don't know. I just, like, I, re- I thought it was, like, so instantly really funny and captivating visually um but also just like its story really got to me as soon as i saw like their tender moments towards molly i was like oh i'm so in i'm so in yeah i think um what do you got I, I, I think it was like you know you talk about the look of it it's they used really nice colors and it was just very like they've they've definitely elevated the animation style obviously it's been a long time since the last one so they had enough time to kind of refine that animation style um but i think it was really sort of like high production value um i i I went into the sequel kind of knowing that i was i was not going to enjoy it as much as i enjoyed the first one because obviously there's a lot of nostalgia attached to the first one for me um but i thought it was just a fun sequel is it necessarily a needed sequel no but um it was it was fun i enjoyed my time with it i laughed um yeah i had i had a good time i had a good time this is our third ardman film since may because we did chicken run and then we did um the wallace and gromit feature Mm -hmm. um and now we're doing chicken run too and i think other than that it's just flushed away um, which mm. I had the Burger King toys of, and mm. uh, Sean the Sheep Farmageddon, I think is the name off the top of my head. Um, mm. I don't think we'll be watching Sean the Sheep, but I definitely just feel this like I I think this is great, and I am so impressed by this. And we uh, were watching the there's like a great twenty minute um, like behind the scenes documentary uh, on YouTube, mm. like the Netflix YouTube channel um, uploaded that like. I was so into how they made it and I read a bunch of stuff and some of which I want to pull up. Um, I like it so much more as a filmmaking feat than I do um, like as a movie itself. Like I was, I'm with you Taylor. Like from the beginning we were like, Oh, this is, this is, I'm so in as a great opening, great vibrant to your point, just like big, bright, colorful, really fun opening. Um, and I was like totally down for it. And then after a while, I kind of just felt myself like kind of slipping away. And I was like, okay, it's definitely like a me problem. Like this is <laughs> this is clearly awesome. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't click with me the way that I really the way that I wanted to. And like when we were watching the behind the scenes, there was like they were describing how they shot a particular moment. And Patrick was like, and then they showed the moment and they were like, that's so funny. I didn't see that last night. And I was like, yeah, because you weren't looking like no offense. But like, like, that's I'm and this is no shade to Patrick. Like he just has like, you know, you just kind of zone out with 
these movies clearly but I, I i kind of forced myself to just like really tune in like i had never before with like chicken run or or wallace and gromit and i was like oh wait this is like actually chock full of moments like if you just don't look away they will pleasantly surprise you i think we've gotten used to kind of looking away because we're used to being let down um not in terms of of arden but just in terms of um uh like like i don't know cinema sometimes um but i was just like pleasantly surprised over and over again it's definitely you know about that like two-thirds of the way right before the end you know you start going like okay let's wrap it up here a little bit but i I don't Mm -hmm. know i feel like yeah that that opening shot was gorgeous i instantly knew that this was going to be um even more of a technical beat because of the way they engage with like new colors and new scenery and you know before it was just a static farm and they go to so many new places now you know they start on this lush island and they have these beautiful like um what do you like domino effect sort of things happening with mm-hmm. the way that the the island operates they have like different vantage points they have a lot more lighting as they talked about in the behind the scenes they go to the factory they go outside the factory they go into this you know seemingly beautiful chicken you know free trade world um or you know not free trade um free range world um and so like they do so much more visually and that really kept me interested because i kept just going like wow 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 whereas Mm -hmm. you know chicken run obviously you know nostalgia aside like it's it's relatively static with where they are and what the colors are yeah definitely and i think the thing as well like nowadays because we watch everything on streaming pretty much it's it it's hard to kind of keep people's attention because every there's so many distractions in your room so it's sort of like oh I could look at my phone or whatever and um so I guess in that case if like you're not really as in it then you're going to drop out of it a little bit more but I think they did a good job at trying to keep people's attention because also this is ultimately a, a children's film um and kids get bored quickly <laughs> so you have to keep their attention in some way and like it sounds really basic but bright colors work like you kind of kind of keep their attention and keep the story moving i do agree that there was a point towards the end where it kind of dipped slightly um and i was like okay let's wrap the story up but um i think for the most part they kind of kept the pace going and moving from location to location was a nice addition after having like you said taylor very static um first film it's funny you guys both say that because when i turned it on on um on Netflix, it says that it's like a hundred minutes, and I was like, "Really? Like that's kind of long for for a kids' movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't see that a ton. Really, ninety seems to be the max. And then uh, it actually ends at about eighty-five minutes, and then it's fifteen minutes of of credits. In fact, it's so the credits are so long mm-hmm. that uh, I'm not a credit watcher. Uh, when I when I go back to the Netflix home screen, it still says continue watching <laughs> because there's <laughs> so much left, like in the actual runtime, um, mm. that it like doesn't catch on to. So yeah, it's really only like 85 minutes. Um, I, I feel like I should maybe jump in here and at least give a, a little plot synopsis. So obviously, Chicken Run, the first film, is about them. It, it's a breakout movie. It's The Great Escape. It is them escaping from a chicken farm. Um, it's it's ninety percent the greatest kid. There's a little bit of animal farm in there, which makes it really fun. This is now a break in movie um, because you've got um, Rocky and Ginger, and we'll talk about the, their uh, their voices in a second. Um, they are now together. They have a daughter, Molly, 
and um, they grow up on this kind of like free range, like Taylor said, kind of chicken paradise. It's this island um, where the chickens and two mice, which I love, I love those little rat guys. They're my favorite part. Um, yes, can you speak to this? Are they canonically gay? <laughs> Is this like widely accepted in British lore? They might be, you know. There was a, there's a few scenes even in the first one that hints at that, you know. They might be. They might be. With this is not yeah. like confirmed, no, but the they might be. Is what you're yeah. Good for them. They're 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 just roommates like Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Um <laughs> and uh and the, this chicken and two rat paradise and um and they're living their life. But Molly kind of sees beyond the island and wants to leave while uh this sort of american not american i don't know why i said that this is sort of human rather was the word i'm looking for company is kind of taking around the land around them and and they can kind of see the humans closing in at the same time molly wants to leave molly escapes she gets kind of stuck in this chicken factory and they have to go in and get her um what i did really like about it, and this is just once again a visual thing is i really liked that it it's essentially like a james bond movie for like an hour um it's a lot of bond, like these these huge layers you know these huge um uh like sort of villain quarters the the cold steel hallways you know um there's obviously a lot of mission impossible references there um it is it is it's basically just like a spy thriller for kids mm. yeah and i think that that's so fun i have to say like listen i was a kid once i used to teach kindergarten i i understand little kids and every well i won't say every most little kids especially little girls go through a i don't want to eat meat anymore phase as soon as their consciousness you talked about this on the last episode yeah as soon as their consciousness <laughs> kicks on they go like wait a minute i think that's mean i think that maybe we shouldn't do that i don't want people doing that to me i have to say even more than the original chicken run i mean this is going to cause i mean i, I mean m&s needs to start start packing some more vegetarian options because i mean i don't know it's just m&s sell food i don't know what's m&s yes <laughs> is, it, is that what it's called yeah m&s is a is a supermarket <laughs> in the uk <laughs> okay okay tesco's has got to get yeah. the imitation chicken in there because there are going to be a lot of uh, vegetarian roasts nando's is doa yes yeah bankrupt immediately um yeah, so I just thought that, like, yeah. We are such dorks. It's, we are so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I just, like, I, I did think, like, I, I liked the message. Could you imagine if Jess came on this podcast and she was like, Kentucky Fried Chicken, over. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. KFCs. Jess, give your predictions, please. <laughs> McDonald's, I think they done. have KFC. They do have KFC. Popeye's, done. We also have Nando. <laughs> Oh, no, not the Popeyes. Uh, Popeyes actually should be done, but that's a whole other thing. One day we'll think about the Popeyes down the street from us, Chad. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, I feel I really liked this story. I feel like it was really, like, dynamic and very layered. I, I don't know. I loved Molly. Like, I loved this idea that her entire life she has been, like, told lovingly how smart and brave and incredible she is and so of course she wants to use all of that smart and brave and intelligent like all of those smart brave and intelligent feelings and then go do something with it and um you know her parents have kind of 
you know, un, unsus- like unintentionally prepared her for this life of adventure and have told her that she can do anything that she wants and then she doesn't. She's in way over her head. And I love the story, like the the story, um, the stories that unfold of just like not leaving anybody behind and like wanting to do things for the greater good. And like, I just, I really resonated with this story um, more than the original Chicken Run. Um, I feel like, I don't know. Well, you've never been a prisoner of war, so I don't know how much there is to relate to in the first one. Okay, fair enough. But I just meant like, this just really touched me. It just really did. I, I, I know we're going to get into performances in a second. I, I did not watch The Last of Us. I think I'm the last of them to not watch The Last of Us. <laughs> um, I know. Everybody groan. Boo. Bad joke. Uh, so I've never seen any of Bella Ramsey's work. Uh, I know people love them. I know that people are, like, enamored with them. Um, nobody would sh- shut up about them when The Last of Us was on. Them and Pedro. Um, but they're new to me and so i have to say great debut great introduction Uh, yeah (laughs) debut to me great introduction um (laughs) i i just everything about molly was just so tender and sweet and i don't know i just feel like um even though i'm 26 which i don't want to talk about um i still feel like a little girl that doesn't know quite what i'm doing and sometimes i too have to go you're brave and you can do this uh mainly every day at work um personally (laughs) i don't know how anyone else feels but yeah i feel that way and so i just was like my heart just ached for her every moment um yeah i you know, I, I don't have that as much, obviously. Um, I loved uh, Chick Molly. Like, I mean, oh, my God. That character so design cute. was unbelievable. So cute. Mm-hmm. And then she grows up, like, literally five seconds later. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I would have liked a little bit more with the Chick. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it was a nice addition um, to the story in general to have them bring in the daughter because it just added another layer like it was that was the only way really for them to like continue this story because then she's like the perfect mix between rocky and ginger and then it just sort of adds this layer and then the parents kind of dealing with their own trauma of what happened to them in the last chicken farm so there's, it was just a nice layer to kind of bump up this story and, and bring it into a sequel I'm about to make the most, like, bizarre comparison ever possible, (laughs) but I kept thinking of Spring Awakening, uh, which, if you're familiar, is essentially a musical, a very good musical, based on a book. Um, That is a a play. Well, the play, that's what I meant, uh, a play, um, that is essentially about, I mean, it's about- a teenager. Okay, no, no, no. What I'm going to, what I'm trying to say is- what the the grand kind of ethos is as you know people parents think that their job is to protect their children but there can be even greater dangers if you protect them to the point of complete naivete um and then they don't know how to navigate life and they don't know the dangers of certain things and they get themselves into situations that they could that could have been prevented if they had just had the knowledge to um you know, like protect themselves. And I kept thinking about 
this as an you know an interesting kind of story because and I personally like I love that story and I love that kind of like message and theme I mean it's Spring Awakening isn't the only thing that tackles that theme but it, it is a theme that I consistently am like wowed at to see how people interpret it and I think that this is a similar thing of like you know Rocky and Ginger want to protect Molly so much that um you know if they had just been honest to Molly and just told her up front you know these are the things that are out there and the world is not as good as you know as as people make it out to be and there are dangers out there and that is why we're protecting you if she had some source for their anxiety and their kind of infatuation with the island and keeping her secure maybe she would have not done that and I think that you know that thematically was just very rich and I think is probably very interesting for for kids to see as well I think you know kids should have their own voice and while I'm not encouraging kids to go talk back to their parents I do think it's important that children and adolescents are able to advocate for themselves and say like I need an explanation on this I need more information on this I need you know to know why you think this and question where certain things come from um obviously not in every single situation but I think information and the delineate like you know the what I'm trying to say, like giving that information is important no matter the age dynamic. And so I think that for a kid's movie, I think that's a very interesting theme to explore. Mm, I agree. I, I like it. I, I, I love nothing more than when you begin to form a thought for the first time on the podcast, but uh, I think you got there. What, what do you mean? <laughs> uh-huh, anyway. <laughs> no, no. I was like, spring awakening. No, but no, no, no. You got there. You got there. Um, I, I, I didn't have enough faith. Um, let's talk about some of these performances, shall we? Uh, Jess, I'll go to you first. Zachary Levi takes over for Mel Gibson as Rocky. What do you think? I mean, I actually think I was quite, I was quite surprised because obviously there was the whole recasting thing. And I think the Mel Gibson recasting makes sense. Um, the, ginger recasting maybe not so much but i was kind of went into it a little bit like oh god they've recast these these voice actors and i think zachary levi and tandy newton to be honest did a really good job at kind of stepping into those shoes um after about five minutes i didn't even realize the voices were slightly different i think they did a really good job at pitching it to the point where they almost sounded exactly the same as the two original actors it really bothered me significantly less than I thought it was going to. I, I, I'll once again be the dissenting voice here. Um, I actually thought Zachary Levi was a great uh, choice on paper. I'm pretty sure um, I said that on our last podcast. I was like, I think it's Zachary Levi. And he's he's got a good voice. He's got a, a this the kind mm-hmm. of voice for this thing. I feel, I feel the same way about his Shazam. Like I could give a shit about those movies, but I think he's just mm-hmm. got that kind of presence. He gives off that kind of that kind of vibe um but i do think that there is and you know we've we we have talked about the mel gibson thing to death on the vince vonathon we're not going to do it again here he is a, a a bad person uh he's a great actor he, he is and um mm-hmm. i think that there's there's this kind of gravitas that mel gibson has that zachary levi has to fake I know what you mean. Yeah. Just me. No, I, I, I actually do get get what you're talking about. Like, they, I felt like 
Rocky as a character in this one fell more into the background a little bit more. And I don't know whether that was a plot choice um, or whether that was part of the performance, um, but he definitely wasn't as like, it didn't feel as present. And that might've been like that gravitas kind of vibe as well. Like you, you can kind of fake that to a certain point, but sometimes people just kind of have that compelling um, energy. And um, yeah, so I felt like he wasn't, he didn't feel as present um, within the story as, he did in the first one um and i don't know whether yeah i don't know whether that was plot or whether that was performance it could be a mixture of both i think probably a mixture of both because the first one he's he's the outsider he's interesting he's the flashy one this one i mean this movie is essentially a mother daughter story um so it kind of mm-hmm. makes him the third wheel in that story um so that's the story part but then also the character performance part i think he's just kind of more of like a doof this time around i thought the same thing i feel like you know one could argue that he's like a dad now (laughs) but i feel like if they were gonna do that they should have really (laughs) leaned into the dad of it all and the dad jokes especially because it's their first child i feel like they could have had a lot of fun with that but yeah he does Mm. come across just like significantly doofier with like no real justification um Mm -hmm. And but yeah, I, I have to say, I was gonna say, you know, to to your point, Jess, like this is for the girls. Like this is just simply <laughs> for the girls. They should have called it like Chicken Run Girl Party. Like I don't, like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm I am okay with um with Rocky going into the background a little bit for the betterment of fem- feminism. If I'm yeah, on this it. is for the girlies. I, I like, this is our film. Yeah, for the girlies, exactly. Um, for the hennies, and so I was like, <laughs> for the chicks. Uh, oh, 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 that was way better. That was way better than mine. Oh, we gotta um, leave. <laughs> I do have to say though, I do have to say though, I did feel like maybe he fell into the background a little bit too much because sometimes when he's like actively trying to rescue his daughter, I didn't feel. I didn't feel the 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 structure of the movie created the urgency on his behalf that he needed mm-hmm. in those moments. Whereas like Ginger, it is always like, you know, like that is my daughter. I have to save her. And Rocky's just like kind of bumbling around trying to get to uh, Molly. But I didn't feel like that like dad level urgency was always there because he just kind of slipped in the back. Mm. Yeah, he kind of, it was a, it was a bit of an odd choice to kind of separate him from ginger throughout the whole pretty much the main bulk of the film because obviously he goes over the wall first like it was it was it was an odd choice to have them going like in two separate directions i think it would have made sense to have one of the other chickens maybe go over the wall first and and it kind of had that vibe because you know in the first film they do everything together like they're in the um the chicken pie machine they're in it together like so it kind of would have i think would have brought back that nostalgia i guess for viewers to have like them doing this the same thing but in getting into the chicken farm um i thought it was a it was a strange choice i wasn't necessarily mad at it but i I definitely think it was um an odd one if this had been live action i feel like the internet would be a buzz with like what is the drama between the actress who plays ginger and the actor who plays rocky why would they not be on set together what is the tea <laughs> i think what it is for me is like one of my like biggest pet peeves in movies is when 
they take characters that we've liked previously and they split them up for the entire mission. It just, mm-hmm. it makes no sense to me. We like them together. That's why we liked mm-hmm. them the first time. It really, what it is, is it's, it's Scooby-Doo's fault. It is Scooby-Doo's fault because Fred would go, <laughs> all right, gang, let's split up. And then that's, they would be able to tackle multiple storylines at the same time. The only time I've seen it done successfully is the, um, the 2002, I think it is, Scooby-Doo. Um, because they're making fun of that. And every time they bring mm-hmm. it up, it's a bit, oh, we're all going to go in separate directions. Ha, ha, ha. But it happens all the time, constantly, in, especially like kids' movies. It is, let's split up. And this time, it obviously, it's not as, as purposeful. But um, they spend the entire movie apart. Um, they did it in, like the Super Mario Brothers movie earlier this year. Like, they're the Mario Brothers. Like, they should be hanging out, you know. <laughs> um, that, that, that kind of thing just gets on my nerves. Yeah, you're right as well, because um, we do like them together, and it just adds something to it when they're together. So I just, I, that, that, I do feel like that dynamic was missing a little bit. Especially because, like, the initial chicken run is about them kind of falling for each other. We never get to really explore them as a couple. Like, we explore them as lovebirds, literally. Um, But we don't get to explore them as, like, a couple. And I feel like this could have been an opportunity to be, like, Ginger and Rocky are the dream team. They have all Mm. these years under their belt. They're so happy. They are thick as thieves. And this is just, you know, like, this is their dynamic as an essentially long-time married couple. Mm. True. Who we got next, T? Uh, well, I already kind of spoke on Bella Ramsey, but I want to give everybody else a chance to talk about them. Jess? Yeah, I think, I mean, Bella's amazing um, in everything that they do. Uh, and they did a really good job at this. I think, because voice acting's not easy, and I think a lot of the a lot of the time, I think, sort of your more traditional actors think it is. Uh, and you get a lot of um, people going into doing voice acting roles and they're not necessarily like giving it their all (laughs) because it's like oh I just you know can sit in a booth and I can say what I need to say and then I go um but there's a lot to it and there's a real skill to it and I was I was impressed I thought they did a really good job um I don't know if they've done any voice acting work prior to this um but yeah that's always my thing when I get voice like I hear famous actors taking on voice acting roles is you want them to go in there and actually appreciate the fact that this is in its own way an art form um and I think they clearly did that and they went in um and put in effort and did a good job and I think that's something to be commended I also I don't want to this is not a knock on anyone's performance I think just at the same time so much of the characters is the animators I think mm-hmm. so much of who they are is like lives in their eyes and especially those big goofy smiles that they have, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that this is definitely one where like, um, it's, it's really like, it's kind of 50, 50, you know, the, the voices, I feel, I feel like there are characters, you know, um, Eddie Murphy made donkey donk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I feel like you could argue that for a lot of the people in like Puss in Boots and the last wish, like those are some really great, performances that i feel like were made by their their actors this mm-hmm. you know as much as i say zachary levi is not as good as mel gibson like he's fine he, he stands in you know it, it works because the character is the same the animation is the same and that is mm-hmm. so much of who that character is 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I one we missed uh, um, uh, Ginger. Oh yes. Um, I mean, again, I just feel like good. Like I, I, I feel like I liked Ginger's character so much that that kind of overpowered my like. I I wasn't like because they are essentially replacing an iconic established voice. Um, I don't know. I just felt like yeah, good. I don't have much to elaborate on. Do you just? Yeah, I mean, I for me, I I personally just feel a bit bad for Julia Sawala, who um uh was essentially told that she sounded too old to play the role, and then they ended up casting someone who was around the same age as her anyway. So it's just a very weird. Which um, now seeing this movie, it's like she's a mom. Who cares? Yeah. It would be and different also- if this movie picked up two days later. It doesn't. It's been a long time. She's a mom now. Let her sound older. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean. Julia, like, she did a whole, on social media, she did, like, she re-recorded some of the lines to prove that she didn't sound any older, and she didn't really. Um, I don't really understand her recasting that much. I think um, Tandy Newton does a, a really good job in this, and, um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good performance. Uh, I don't just, I just don't necessarily understand why they recasted um, Julia Sawala, because it's not as if, like I said before, this is this is technically a, a kids' movie, and a child's not going to sit there and be like, "I want to watch this movie because Tandy Newton's in it." And when we watch it as adults who've seen it before, we kind of want to hear the same voices, really, because that's part of the nostalgia. So I really just don't understand her recasting. It's just really odd to me, um, and I just felt a bit bad for her because <laughs> I I thought she did a great job in the first one. But I mean, and that's not to diss um, Tandy Newton because I think. She did do a good job and she um, she has that kind of, you know, you talk about like sounding like a mother. She had that kind of mothering tone and things like that. Um, but I just find that recasting so odd and I just feel a bit bad for Julia Swala. Um, I'm going to jump down on the letterbox li- list for a second and go n- not how they are listed and jump to... We don't need to go to anybody anyway, so just bring up who you want to Okay, I'm going to bring up Josie Sedwick-Davies, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, who plays Frizzle. This mm-hmm. is her debut film. Yeah. She, that's crazy. It's not like debut performance, though, right? It's just debut film? Well, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't. She doesn't even have a picture on Letterboxd. Um, uh, and so I, when I looked it up, I, as, as soon as we met Frizzle, I was like, oh, I like this. I like this chick. Um, and I was really excited about her performance. And, um, so I looked her up and when I saw that, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is, that's crazy. Um, and I think I looked up if she had done any TV shows and I don't think anything really came up. Um, so, so that's just really amazing. What a, what a breakout performance and what a very notable performance. One of the letterbox reviews was like, I don't know who decided we needed a scouse chicken, but thank you. (laughs) And I thought that that was really funny. Yeah, no, I really liked Um, her. I'm, uh, I'm trying to check. Nothing has really come. I just like, where did she come from? Like, I don't understand. I mean, yes, Um, I'm having a look on her, but like, having a look on her Instagram, um, because I can stalk, Um, and from the looks of it, it's sort of a lot of theatre stuff in the UK, um, but no film or TV. 
Um, I mean, she's great. I, which yeah, is, I just the reason I got so obsessed with her for a second is I was just like, wow, she's great. <laughs> yeah, it's quite odd actually, because I mean, you'd think it's kind of a weird thing for it to be your kind of debut film because it's a voice performance and um usually for these types of films at least they kind of go with people who've been doing it for a while or um are famous faces so it is it's kind of an odd one but she's the perfect fit for that voice um and yeah i I really i really enjoyed her character i thought she was very entertaining yeah when you compare it to something like the new inside out that's coming out it's like okay all those voices you know they have a new character though to introduce who do you get maya hawk who's having a moment and you know who you know like is gonna i don't want to say sell tickets to their target demographic but we'll sell yeah those four-year-olds are just (laughs) lining up but i'm saying it will (laughs) sell tickets to like maya hawk stands who remember inside out um coming out like it will you know maya hawk playing anxiety like are you telling me that they weren't also targeting adults they clearly are with that casting choice uh and that character um and so i feel like they could have easily thrown uh, you know florence Pugh in there or something um you know Mm -hmm. some some it british girl um and then uh you know had that to kind of to, to have in their arsenal and they they didn't and she was a perfect choice yeah this is funny there's like a thing on netflix it's like a cast guy like meet the new cast and it's like tandy newton and it says previously in and it also says watch them in these netflix movies so you can click on it and it's like previously in westworld zachary levi previously in shazam tingle bella ramsey previously in game of thrones the last of us and her it's literally just blank <laughs> like they didn't they didn't erase the previously in it's just there's nothing there. previously in hamlet uh, at the royal shakespeare company <laughs> i know that's not true don't quote me on that um one of the things i want to bring up because we are on a on a time crunch uh mainly bedtime for you and dinner for us is um <laughs> is the fact that this movie is sort of iconically delayed um obviously it's been 23 years since the first one and you know that's why we're doing it on this show the first one was a white two kids thing this one is not there's a a piece in the new york times that is what took the chicken run well uh, what took the chicken run sequel so long the reasons are epic and it says a flood a fire covid and shrek so i just want to summarize it very quickly um why this movie took so long well first it says at first it was sheer exhaustion it's like hard to make one of these movies and they like were like cutting it really close to the deadline and they, and they were really slamming it. And I think about like Wes Anderson and him doing fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of dogs, um, like in pretty close succession and just going like, how do you not have like 15 years in between those two movies? Basically immediately start on the next one. Um, and, uh, and then DreamWorks was kind of iffy, but then here's the real, uh, kicker. A, there was a fire at the warehouse that burned everything down from the first movie. Did you know this? Uh, no, I didn't. I did not. Um, did you know this, Jess? No, no, I didn't. It didn't make national headlines? So they lost all of their puppets, molds, and sets from the first movie. And then there was, of course, Crazy. the alleged crisis that they ran out of mold. That was just well, I'm getting fake. there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, and so they said that they they kind of like they were sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. How are we going to make the Chicken Run sequel now? And then someone said, uh, "Well, I guess now it's just like any other movie. We're going to start from scratch." Um, but that's you know definitely got to kill you. And then they create a bunch of puppets and stuff, 
And then there's a flood in the warehouse, which wipes everything out. And then they finally get started in, like, February of 2020. Mm. <laughs> and um, and, and it, uh, pre- uh, production has to stop. And uh, while they're making it, if someone gets sick, they have to quarantine, obviously. I mean, we, we got to, you know, let's throw this back. Um, early on, we were spraying down our groceries and stuff, right? It says not only would people have to um, uh, quarantine, the puppets that they were touching would have to quarantine as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Canonically, some of them had COVID. <laughs> um, um, and then finally, they, they make the movie. But I just think that, like, that's great. Like, it definitely just seems like, you know, um, almost seems like a certain point you'd be like, are we supposed to make this movie? <laughs> like, yeah, like, is anyone <laughs> checking in? Uh, yeah, actually, a whole generation. I feel like this is a very lazy comparison, but I can't help but make it. Um, we've all had moments where we are, you know, writing an essay or, you know, we're we're working on something and it gets deleted the file corrupts you can't access it anymore you have to start over and it's always better it is always better it sucks that you have to rewrite it but it is always better and i feel like um i listen clearly i i'm the person raising the most praise about this movie um i i really really liked it but i feel like I I would imagine that that made it all the better because what if they Mm -hmm. had just recycled the set from chicken run, it would be an entirely different movie to your point earlier about it being all encompassing. It mentions that, that the first movie was a single location movie essentially. And then when they lost everything, when they were like, well, we can do whatever we want now. So let's have a bunch of sets. And like Mm -hmm. easily my favorite thing about this is they never once cut a corner ever never and like mm-hmm. there are times where they make it just more difficult for themselves i think just because they can't and they're that good there's a moment where um uh, uh uh molly and we were just saying the character's name uh, frizzle? frizzle are talking and another chicken just walks in the way and just kind of walks <laughs> in front of them and there was no reason for that chicken to be there. It's just it's just kind of a background it's you know, background actor kind of thing, you know. That chicken got paid ten bucks in a sandwich <laughs> to be there that day. Um that chicken did not have to be there, but they did it because not only does it, it makes make the movie better because it makes the the world more um legitimate and more authentic. Um it, it could be very easy to just be like, why would we do that? You know, someone breaks that, brings that up and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's more work. Uh, we, it's already taken us 23 years to make this movie. Um, but they do that every time they talk about in the behind the scenes when, um, the, the, the human whose name I'm so bad with character names, Jess is going to know the human lady. Oh, oh Mrs. Tweedy. Tweedy. The legend. Yes, I know. I'm, I know. I know. Um, when she's revealed down like the glass steps that that was like a total pain in the ass because that's like fingerprint hell. And mm-hmm. it was like blocking hell. It was like really impossible to do. But and on top of that, they chose to light her like basically like 
in a way that like light is not supposed to work. Like they were like, we want her to be backlit for dramatic effect. That doesn't make sense scenically. It's but like we- she's like backlit, but then when she turns around the spiral staircase, then she's front lit. Like it's like it's like constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't tell who she is. I mean, if you're like an adult with a brain, you can tell after two seconds, but it's a great effect for kids. But you know, there was no like, well, to hell with this. This this is a huge pain in the ass. Let's do something else. <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. This shot's gonna be awesome. We're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, <laughs> so like, that's that's easily my favorite thing about this movie. Yeah, for sure. Can we just take a moment though to talk about the fact that they brought Mrs. Tweedy back? Because I really did think that she she should be dead at this point. Like, I because she she was in, she got exploded. <laughs> in that gravy yeah um, i have to say thing it wasn't my favorite i thought it was going to be like a daughter like mm-hmm. i feel like that would be such a great juxtaposition of like we have the you know the the legacy of ginger lives on in molly and the legacy of mrs Tweedy lives on in some other family um i thought that that would be a really kind of funny dynamic in the same way that like you know i'm doing a lot of analogies this episode yes, but in, um uh but in the way <laughs> that like dr doofenshmirtz's daughter like beefs with like candace like in phineas and herb like i feel like that would just be a fun dynamic to explore um i i i wish she had not been brought back from the dead i i feel like that was maybe it's hard it's damned if you do damned if you don't because if it was a daughter or if it was another you know justifiable character in her place people probably would have complained maybe myself included um that it just felt you know too far far stretched from the original but at the same time Mm -hmm. i don't know that bringing someone literally back from a deadly explosion was the answer either i mean i kind of loved it because i'm i'm i think mrs tweedy is such a good character and when she appeared i I was like yes she's back (laughs) um and i was kind (laughs) of living for it i can't lie i was like slay but um at the end she then gets like exploded again so if they did like a a, a third one i'm like you you actually physically can't bring this woman back because she is deader than dead surely but it just made that like maybe I, she's what like i wanted to know has nine lives. maybe i just wanted them to have a scene right at the end where like mr tweedy was just like living his best life on a beach you know because i was spending a lot of my time wondering <laughs> what happened to him because she's got this new husband she's you know living up in yeah, her I with her like little so. scientist i was like where is he where is he? I just wanted a little clip, like a tiny, literally like a post-credit scene where he's just on a beach, living, living his best. Like he's yeah, not got the like, nagging and wife I anymore. He's, he's living. Married to a vegan. I hope he's yeah, like, married he to a vegan and anymore. Just is so peaceful. Yeah, like yeah, that was so funny. Chicken, Maybe like, they should have hired he's like a vegan. <laughs> he's a vegan now. He's like those chickens. They're organized. I can't be doing this anymore. We're we're not eating meat. Yeah, I just wanted that. That would be funny. That was my letterbox review was I just hope Mr. Tweedy is okay. Oh, I love that. Just hope he's okay. I, That's um, all I wanted I from up... this. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um I want to bring up two more nerdy production things real quick. One is your everybody thought they were running out of clay. Yeah. So it went like viral on Twitter, I think, like several months ago Mm. that, you know, someone just, I think essentially started a rumor that 
like that the well it's not a rumor the company that they get the clay from closed okay and i guess someone when when one local newspaper said this plant is closing someone went wait a minute isn't that the place uh that that they get their clay and so it kind of spread like wildfire that they did that they were running out of clay and that they were not going to be able to get more and essentially (laughs) we're going to have to retire from making movies because this plant shut down and the production company had to like make a statement and they were like that's not true we will just get it elsewhere and also we have like so much of it we don't even have to do that well that was like there's like three parts to this one is they said that they were like first of all we just bought the rest we just bought them out of the- actually they're closing because of us <laughs> they're full supply <laughs> um number two is um uh they 3d print a lot of stuff now so it's not all fully clay now. In fact, I think it's really they said it's just like heads and faces and they, are I clay. Think arms and legs. And they do they do in terms of just completely clay, excuse me. And then they do like clay like casings. Um like kind of clay mm-hmm. skins to get the same effect. Placings, if you will. Sure. Um, but they don't need um uh nearly as much <laughs> Don't laugh at that. Don't laugh at don't you're gonna encourage I'm gonna hear that later. This is a very like punny and analogy filled episodes so if that's not your thing i'm sorry um i can't even remember my third point now um and then uh one other thing that they say in the behind the scenes which i just wanted to bring up which anybody who's listening to this you should go watch it it's it's on youtube but it's, it's really interesting um is that they were like um technology has made this so much easier in that stop motion is really hard it's really hard um every single second of every single day and so if something is like a little imperfect, we just fill in the gaps with CG. Like we just mm-hmm. fix it. And so although it's always stop motion, it's always our puppets and we will like never let our puppets go. That's what we do here. Um, it's okay to just like fix it in post or like take out the stilts that it's on in post or, you know, take out this imperfection. Like they were like sometimes like dust gets on the figurines and we wipe it off in post. and. For like a split second, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cheating." And then I was like, "No, it's not. It's not. It's them using what they have at their disposal to make their movies better." And um, like I said, I can be kind of whatever about the story, and and so something about the Arbin sensibility that doesn't do it for me. But uh, um, it's visually and technically amazing. And I was just thinking, like, I'm all for whatever they can do to make it better in in that regard. I can't wait to see what they do in another 23 years. <laughs> Make your prediction. What what current baby that you know will be uh, cast as Ginger in 23 years? Hmm. Let me, I'll have to look there. <laughs> Molly, I guess. Um, uh, any any parting thoughts, Jess? Um, no, I think I've kind of covered everything I wanted to say. I just I just had a good time. I had a good time with this one. Um, and I'm I am glad they made it, even though it wasn't necessarily the most required sequel in the world. Um, I had a really great time in it. Um, it made me smile, and that's I think all you can ask for sometimes. I want to ask you, Jess. Uh, next week on the show, we are covering all three Willy Wonka movies from okay. uh, the 70s Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to the most recent Wonka. Um, uh, you obviously will not be joining us as much as sometimes we think of you as the third co-host on this show. Um, 
do you have any any uh, Wonka thoughts that you are any rendition that you want to send us off with? Wonka thoughts. My oh gosh, the first one's scary. <laughs> Like, I'm just thinking you've just reminded me of that scene when he's in the tunnel and it's terrifying. Why did they do that? Um, but also Gene Wilder was incredible in that film. I haven't seen um, the recent one clear, so I can't comment on that one. But I did remember really enjoying the Tim Burton version for some reason. Um, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but I remember really loving that film as a child and watching it a lot. So I... It's so validating to hear you say that, Jess, because I also had fond memories of it, and I thought everyone who was born around our time had fond memories of it until I started asking people, and they all went, I hated it. And I was like, shut oh. up. You were eight years old. You did not hate that fun movie. Um, I personally will get in this on the next ep- episode. I feel like the strengths lie in between the two movies. Um, but but interesting. I'm, I'm very validated in hearing that you have fond memories. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I just remember, again, you've just unlocked a memory. I used to watch like the behind the scenes um, special features on the DVD. That, I bet that's a really the good behind factory. the scene. They had great ones. I was so enthralled. I was like, oh my God. And I think that was one of the first times that like, as a child, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually like a job that people do. They make movies. That's weird. I want to do that. <laughs> um. Uh, speaking of, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we, uh, we say goodbye? Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jess underscore Roland. Um, you can follow my podcast, which will be making a reappearance this year at some point. Um, I took a little bit of a break cause needed a break and also strike stuff was happening and it was just all very confusing as to what actors can and can't do, even if they're not part of the union. Um, so I took a little bit of break, but better than bad will be back at some point this year so you can follow us for all updates on that at better bad pod and also want to plug if you want to see any updates um i'm actually in the process of making a short film at the moment so you can follow my film at heat short film on all of the social media platforms um to keep up to date with what we're doing with that we're going to be filming next month um and yeah it's very exciting we are uh very um very excited to see that. I'm very excited to see my name in the special uh, thank yous at the end of the credits um, for reading the script one time. I am uh, <laughs> uh, also, we're, we are waiting uh, for when Better Than Bad comes back because um, we always love chatting with you and, uh, and we want to uh, return the favor and go on your show sometime soon. Yeah, you guys are coming back for season three. So it's exciting. People can get excited for us to discuss a mystery actor. I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I will. Uh, I'll do all the all the plugs for us really quickly. Obviously, all the places you listen to podcasts, you can rate us five stars, leave us a nice review. The best place to find us and all of the links um, to all of our social media pages and stuff is our website. It's FeaturePresentationVideo.com. It is the home of everything that we do. Every podcast, every review, every column that we write all happens over there at FeaturePresentationVideo.com. You can uh, go over there. You can put your email address in. We'll send you everything that we do um, for free right now, free stuff, five days a week. This Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget episode is our 499th post 
on FeaturePresentationVideo.com. So you guys are coming just in time. If you're listening to this, you can head over to our website, put your email address in, and we will send you the, we will send you excuse me that very special 500th post straight to your inbox tomorrow. You can find me on Letterbox at Taylor Malone, and you can find me on X at Mailer Talone. Uh, you can find me at Patrick J. Regal everywhere you find people online. The best place to find the show is our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. It's going to be a place to be uh, uh, at least tomorrow. Um, in the near future, we've got some stuff for paid subscribers coming very soon. It's going to be really fun, and we hope to see you there. Jess, thanks again for joining us. Um, uh, you are welcome anytime, and uh, hope to be chatting with you soon. Yes, thank you so much. I love coming on and talking to you guys. It's always so much fun. And I'm glad that we actually talked a little bit more about the actual film this time. <laughs> yes, less about Chinese food. Um, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Next week, uh, we taste a little bit that Wonka triple feature. Listen, that one will not. I cannot, I cannot contain Taylor's thoughts on that one. I cannot promise that that will be a short episode. But uh, uh, when it does drop, we will see you then, folks. <laughs>